I titled this sermon today, Unashamed. In our society today, I think we hardly ever deal with the word shame because we look at it as a bad thing, which normally it is a bad thing. And there's so many things in society, there's so many ways the devil wants you to feel false shame. There is a godly shame, and we're going to talk about that today. But so many times every day, we're faced with someone or somehow people making us feel ashamed. I'm not trying to start anything, but you can be shamed if you wear a mask. You can be shamed if you don't wear a mask. You can be shamed if you're vaccinated. You can be shamed if you're not vaccinated. Those are just one example. But let's go to the real things. Our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, Hebrews 13. They have a lot of them ID cards where they have had the courage to put their religious affiliation that they're a Christian. And that's just a death mark. I want them to all get out. I want them to be okay. But if you read Hebrews chapter 11, especially the last part of it, the hall of faith, that's not exactly the way. So we need to remember them. We need to pray for them. Because for them to put their affiliation on a card that they can be identified and the Taliban can find and then go to their house and at least make their life difficult, but the reality of, at worst, take their life in a horrific way. You're talking about some people that are not ashamed and are living unashamed. And yet, here in America, when we get any kind of pushback, for shining the light of Christ, we go back in a hole. Shameless. So we're going to ask the question today, how do you live a life where you're unashamed? There's good guilt, there's godly guilt, but most of the time we're... See, society tries to... Politically, we try to shame people. Well, you're a part of this party, or you're a part of this party, so you should be, you know, and this is part of the reason we're so divided as a country. We shame other people. Well, it is society to know when we should feel real shame and when we should not. And it should be God is the only one that we can determine that. The definition of shame means something to be regretted. Humiliated, disgrace, or guilt. Ever had any regrets? Boy, I have. You ever been humiliated? Sometimes I feel like you guys keep me humble. You don't humiliate me, but I'm the Rodney Dangerfield of ministry for 30 years. <laughs> Got some zingas going on here. Wednesday night was a good zinger. Anyway, we'll get it. Anyway, so anyway, I'm not, I'm not bitter. I'm just better on that. Okay, whatever. So, but. proper place for that, but what we're doing with mainly is the improper place. Unashamed means no regrets, you're, there's no humiliation, there's no disgrace, no guilt. Isn't that, isn't that an awesome place to be? So the goal would be to live unashamed with no regrets. Unashamed. No regrets. And again, not measuring shame 
by sustain. You have an action step, and your points are going to fill out the, spell out the Normally this would bother me, but your action step is also your first point. Okay, you ready? So we're going to, your points spell out the word live. Okay, so what I'd like you to focus on this week is living unashamed. And I already gave you the first point. We need to live unashamed. Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty, he has a podcast. And when the podcast opens, you hear his voice saying, I am unashamed. If you ever read his uh, biography, he was a horrible person. On up into his 30s, maybe close to his 40s. He's got uh, four boys and the oldest had to live through a lot of his dad's shameful things. But God got a hold of him. And all that stuff in the past, now he can speak and say, I am unashamed. That's where I want to be. That's how I want to live. And so we need to understand this. And so statement, I want to live unashamed. Now let's think about where Paul was. Paul had a lot of people trying to shame him to shut up and be quiet. Okay? Remember he was a Jew. He was a zealot. And some of us that have watched the Chosen series, and if you haven't, download the app, watch it. You'll be blessed. Okay? It's free. But there's the zealots, and the zealots are like, it's not just I believe this, I'm going to shove it down your throat, and you're going to do it, or I'm going to kill you in the process. And so he is holding the coats for, as a stone Stephen, the first martyr. Then he gets papers from the synagogues and from the high priest to go track down Jews and bring them and imprison them and punish them. First Christian terrorist, the terrorist to Christians. And so he I got a hold of him on the road to Damascus and all that stuff's in the past. Even that Piggly Wiggly that he robbed, if you know Brother Waratha, we won't get into that. But so then going forward, Paul is talking about Christ, going around. He's imprisoned in Philippi. Here's some of his resume. He was imprisoned in Philippi. So, you know, regardless of whether you're guilty or not, it's kind of shameful to be in prison. I, I wasn't in trouble, but I had to testify in, a, in a, a court thing. And it was just scary getting up there and thinking, you guys got me hemmed in here. We're in a tight spot. It's Brother Roth the other day. Okay, whatever. But, you know, I wasn't planning that, but you always got those go-to uh, uh, catchphrases. But, you know, it, whether you're guilty or not, to be in that kind of system, it's kind of shaming You're talking with, and when I go on right along with the cops, at least I get looks a little bit better. But all right, and I do have a uniform at the time. But okay, so he's in prison in Philippi. He's chased out of Thessalonica. Again, people shaming him. He had to be smuggled out of Berea in a basket. Hey, Paul, we're going to put you in a big basket and lower you. Boy, I hope that weaver that <laughs> he had to be lowered. He was laughed out of Athens. We've talked about that, Mars Hill. Now, but see, that would bother me more. That is my hot button. When people just, and I don't think I'm smart at all. 
I've had to learn things the hard way. You know, that's just the way it is. But when people, if I honestly am hearing where they're at and what they're saying and what took them to get there, and they blow me off and just think I'm an idiot, I don't care about being foolish, but it's hard to be laughed at that you haven't taken the time to search this for yourself. I think that had to be hard for Paul because Paul was really smart. He's regarded as a fool in Corinth, even from the church. I'm reading... I'm going reading through the Bible in 2 Corinthians. He's really giving them the what for. Don't make me come there. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And they're just blowing him off. Saying he's not a real apostle. This is in the church he's getting shamed. We never get shamed in the church. Again, there's good guilt. And there's false guilt. And I think in church a lot, we, we shame people, you know. Regard as a fool in Corinth, he was stoned in Galatia, and yet ready and eager to go to Rome, the seat of power for the world. If we thought of Rome today, it'd be like him saying, look, I'm going to jail, I'm falsely accused, and I get to talk to the Supreme Court about Jesus. That's what he was doing. At any time, Paul could have said, no, I'm a Roman citizen, I don't want to do this. He had so many levels that they were trying to let him go, and God told him clearly, you're getting an all-expense-paid trip to the capital. He was ready. He was eager. Neither ridicule, criticism, or persecution could curb his enthusiasm. Why? What made the difference? Paul could and would uh, continue to, to go to Rome, your first point, because he lived unashamed. So, you need to live under shame. Now, I want to be really clear about this. You, you know, James talks about, James chapter 4, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. You never really, maybe two places in the Bible, do you see pride as a positive thing. So if you think this is an excuse that I'm going to go through and live unashamed, and I don't care what you say, you've got to be really careful because you need to start with the fact you could be wrong in any situation. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So first of all, you want to live unashamed and I want you to understand this. This is why gospel needs to be at the top because everybody's telling you how, that you should be ashamed or unashamed about something. You should have regret or no regrets. All that matters is what God says about that. At the end of the day, if you're good with God, regardless of what's going on, you can live unashamed. I want this for you. I want this for all of us. And we can see this in this passage in Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. This is Paul's summary of Romans. And you know, I, I don't know when we'll hit it or how reading through the Bible is going to go, but I was looking at a book the other day, and it was uh, called The Gospel Explained in Ten Words. And I read the beginning of it, and then I downloaded it, and it's like, wow, we need this. This is where I'm at. I know the gospel is simple, but so many times it gets convoluted or we put a lot of shame in there. And there's a, there's a point where we need to feel unashamed, but that should go away once the gospel has hit our lives. But I think we're going to go back and I'm going to do a series on that. The ten words that explain the gospel. But Paul is summarizing 
the core of what we need to do to live unashamed. Verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. It starts with what we should be unashamed about. For I am unashamed of the gospel. Unashamed. We're not shamed or, or put off by it. It's the gospel. It's the good news. Let's talk about the good news. We're designed for a relationship with God. We see it with Adam and Eve in the garden. God gave us free will. He told them one thing not to do. They did it. And so the curse hit. And we're all done with the curse. All of all the world, all of creation is done with the curse. And Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. And there was separation between God and man in relationship. It was broken. And you see, even in Genesis chapter 3, with the curse, you see the prophecy of the cure, Jesus, coming. The whole Bible is about the gospel, and the whole Bible is about Jesus coming. And so, good news is this. The bad news is we're, we are separated. We now have death. We now have eternal punishment. We have real shame. We are born in the shame. But the good news is this. God didn't leave us. He sent His only Son. That whoever shall believe in shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I, the good news is this, and you need to get this these verses down, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. I had them memorized, but you need to find a version that works for you. This one's kind of wordy, okay? So I have to keep reviewing it. But 15, verses 3 and 4 are the core of the gospel. For I delivered to you as a first importance. Really? Okay, <laughs> I had to think about it. I just don't think of it. For I delivered unto you a first importance, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture, so it backs up the whole Bible was about Christ coming. And he was buried and then raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture. That's the core of the gospel. You need to mark that one. You need to go there. And kids, I'm not trying to put anything on you, but those Bibles, you need to carry them in your pocket or you need to put them in your backpack. They need to be with you on your mission field. And Matt, the rest of those Bibles are for the youth. You can give them out Wednesday before, uh, well, they'll already be in school since I'm not busting anymore. I forgot they start on Tuesday. So anyway, but this is the good news. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for our sins, we can be made. You know, regardless of what spending plans the government makes, guess what? Somebody's going to pay for it. That's the same way about our sins. You're either going to pay for it or Christ is going to pay for it. You can, you're going to pay for it by eternal separation from pain torment and pain. Or you can accept His free gift of love that His Son endured it for you. That's good news. Nobody... If anybody goes to hell, it's their choice. And I want to help you Christians on that. We need to have that urgency that we don't want our loved ones to go to hell. When I was talking to someone the other day, I said, I'm not trying to preach to you. I'm just trying to present this to you. And the choice is yours. I don't want anybody to go to hell. And God definitely doesn't want anybody to go to hell. But they need to know the good news. They don't have to. 
No longer live in the shame of sin, but saved by Christ. No longer condemn. Romans 8, 1. Now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Take a breath. Think back to when you got saved, those that have made that choice. I, I want to be really careful on feelings because feelings, you don't live your life by feelings. You let feelings come after. Do you remember the, the weight that was lifted? I mean, regardless of what you had done in the past, it's all gone under the blood of Jesus. That's good news. You should be living and excited about that, that you're safe and secure in God. But so many times we let the, I call them the barking chihuahuas of life, try to shame us on the false things, and we need to be like water off a duck's back and walk through, and it's like, I'm saved. I'm good with God. Your standards of shame do not measure with His, and you better get in line because that's what you really should be ashamed of. And He can take care of that. We, live, we can live unashamed because the gospel of Christ has taken away our shame. So why does this work, uh, so why does this work to get rid of shame? Look at verse, the second part of verse 16. First of all, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Okay? For it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. Power. We know this word. Dunamis. Dynamite. And you think, yeah, he just blows and destroys everything up. But and what we need to understand is our relationship was broken with God. And dynamite can also be used to pave new ways. To pave new roads. And the power of God through Jesus Christ being sinless, giving his life, raising from the dead. There's power. There's so many things we choose. I'm not ashamed of this, but it's powerless. I'm not ashamed of this because I'm not doing that. I'm not ashamed of this because I have enough money and I don't have to deal with that. Whatever. That power is temporary and fleeting. But God in Hebrews says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So another reason why you don't have to be ashamed is the fact of the power. God's power to bring the dead back to life. God's power to... That's awesome. That dynamite, the power of God, man's, man's various ways to be saved, like we talked about, but only the power of God is able to overcome man's sinful nature and to impart true life, the unashamed life. And then Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about be transformed, not conformed to this world. And you want something that is transformed. Conformed is just it looks like it, but nothing's changed. And only the power of God can change a person's life. I hope I would stand for God. But to put my name on a card that identifies me and younger kids, I'm not trying to be, that I at least be killed, but maybe beheaded and no, no telling what. There's got to be a lot of power that I believe that there's something better than this life to take those stands. The power of God, that's a... You've got to realize in a lot of those countries when they Christ, their family said, dead to me. And they always, they, a lot of times, will try to, to act on that too. That's changed. But so many times, we have so many people that just live in their stuff. And I'm not trying to judge people, but you wonder, 
God that changes people. That you turn from one way and you repent and go another way in the power of God. I can't change myself on my best day. But with the Holy Spirit saving power of God, I can. Jeremiah 27.5 says this about the power of God. It is I who by my great power, this is God talking. It is I who by my great power, my outstretched arm have made the earth with the men and animals that are in it. And I give it to whomever it seems right to me. If we think we're in control at any level, think again. I want you to put this in perspective. I have the good news that I am now right with God, regardless of what anybody else says. And I have the power of God that he actually died and rose from the dead so I can have this. And then he put the Holy Spirit inside me so I can live it. I'm trying to help you understand the devil. You can live unashamed knowing that you have the good news that you're saved and you have the power of God inside you to live that life. Only the power of God can save us. It's the power of God to save us because it delivers us from the wrath of God. Romans 5.9 talks about that. From the ignorance of God, now we get to know God and we have the Holy Spirit to guide us and delivers us from ourselves. Salvation delivers, um, deliverance only comes to those who believe in Christ and what He has done. And so your next feeling, to live unashamed means to live in the power of the gospel. The power of God to save all who believe, all who trust. Whose power are you trusting in? I love people and I start with the trusting thing, but I hardly trust anything anymore and anyone. Oh, you're horrible, Pastor, but you're all in the same boat. Come on. All right. I'm trusting that power. When everything else falls... Same yesterday, today, and forever. Live unashamed. That's your aim. You know what? I'm going to do my best to provide all things that are in the sight of God and man and to go with God's day. But the power doesn't just save us from the wrath and judgment of God. Look at verse 17. For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as, faith for faith, as it is written, the righteousness shall live by faith. Go back to verse 17 and look at, for in, for in it the righteousness of God is the power to be made right with God. It is His righteousness. When God looks at you, if you receive Christ, He doesn't see you, He sees Jesus. He sees a stamp that says, paid in full. We are going to mess up. We are going to struggle. But we need to walk with Him. We can never live that perfect life here, but we can live a holy life, which means separated and being more and more like Christ, growing in relationship. So when God sees you, He doesn't see your righteousness. There's a lot of people that act more right than me, and there's a lot of people that don't know Christ that are probably nicer than me and I'm trying but the Bible clearly says their righteousness is as filthy rags you ladies that when you're picking a paint sample of white and there's 50 of them well that's eggshell white that's snow white okay or whatever you know <laughs> if you, we don't know what real white is Filthy rags. You see that when you compare these. It's not. 
You put our best acts, and they're nasty. They're dirty. It's God's righteousness. Like Willie Walker. Yeah, everybody, how they got here. Obviously. But anyway, okay. So, Willie Wonka turns to Charlie after he's talked to everybody how they got here, and he goes, You, you're just glad to be here, aren't you? It's probably going to be my story in heaven. Because it's not going to be this. Went to seminary, in ministry 30 years, you know, all these things. Filthy rags to God. You know what I'm going to say? Why are you here? Jesus. The gospel. The good news. And that's your other reason. That's not the true gospel. That's Okay, so it's not my righteousness. And we are now victorious. We're free to live unashamed. We have been made right. You've been made right with God. No shame. This is why... You, guys, do you see the power in this? Truth, and the truth will set you free. John 8.36 So if you're... I'm breathing, but so if you're in Christ, you're free. I think for a long time we've been pushed down and we've been scared to live in freedom. It's scary. We can't control them. What's he doing talking to that person? I think we need a little bit more of that, your pastor included. There's a difference between crazy and living free. And when you're being shamed by the wrong things, you're not living in freedom. You've been vindicated. The devil and everybody else, Christians, here's what he wants to do. You wonder why when we talked about the Bible studies and, and, and the, the second top Bible study was how can I uh, do better in my evangelism? Because we get shamed out of it. Or we've got the wrong parameters. And we need to walk in freedom. And I hate to put this way, it's the wrong terminology. It's not that you don't care, but you need to walk not caring about anything other than what God thinks of you. And go through those doors in freedom. Freedom is refreshing to people that are dying. And it's scary for those that are trying to control things. That's why America has flourished up to this point. That's why I'm not trying to be political Whatever side of the island, we are in a free country, and if you don't fight for those freedoms, we're going to lose them. And it all because of our silence. The voice of democracy dies. There's nothing political about that. We are doubly blessed to be in a country where I can speak here freely at this point without being punished for it. So many times as Christians, we'll go without American freedom, but when it comes to our Christianity, come on, I want us to really think about this for a minute. This burdens me. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. But boy, when you put that on a card in Afghanistan, you just marked yourself for death and your family. 
You know what that tells me? Those brothers and sisters in Christ really understand the freedom and not living and not living ashamed. I want to get to that point where I don't care what the they're doing at my ankles on telling me what I should be ashamed about. I care more that they're lost and they're going to hell and they need the good news of Jesus Christ. And then I need to get it in regards to me. <sighs> vindicated. You're vindicated. Get you a t-shirt. I'm vindicated. Okay, whatever. This is available for all who believe, for all who will live by faith. Look at verse 17, the other part. For, it, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live. We need to live unashamed. Okay? And we need to understand that we're vindicated. And we do this all in the power of God and the gospel. So if you've been. You can't be. Be any more. I mean, you can be more. When you started, okay? But you're a saint. And that faith we're going to talk about is what brought you to God and gets. Faith for faith. Salvation. It is salvation provided by grace, received through faith, continued through faith. From, uh, it's translated from faith to faith, living by faith. Faith continually trusting and relying on God to save us and to keep us. You exercise faith on the most minimal things every day. You walked in here, you sat on that pew, and didn't expect it to fall in. You walked on this floor, and you didn't expect it to fall in. You walked in, now Pastor Hunter, everybody's looking. You walked in here and you didn't expect the ceiling to fall in. I'm a little OCD, it's from and driving a, a, a bus, but you know, I always check my air pressure on my car. I don't go around and do it. My car shows me, okay? But you know, when you drive a bus, you gotta do an inspection. So I'm always looking. But most of the time, we just trust. We get in and drive it like it's stolen, whatever it is, okay? Don't do that, okay? But look, all right. But yeah, when it comes to God. I got saved. I trust him in this job change, in this life change, in talking to this person about Christ, that I'm unashamed even though they may not like it. Faith by faith. Guess what? You trusted God to save you. Trust him to guide you. That's what he's saying here. That's the power of the gospel. It doesn't end in conversation. It just... Provided by grace, received through faith, continued through faith, from faith to faith, living by faith. Continually trusting, relying on God to save us, to keep us. We started with, we walk, we started with faith and we walk by faith unashamed. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. I learned that today. I think my wife learned it. This is a, you know, short. You can learn this today. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. Yeah, I told it to you. Second, that's okay. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. Faith that God can save us, faith that God can keep us. And so your last fill in here, if we're going to live unashamed, you have to continually... 
Trust God always, all the way, from faith to faith. I'm reading through Job right now. Because Job deals with the fact of good thing, bad things happen to good people. There's a false theology that says if you do what's right, everything will go good for you. And that nothing ever happens to good people. But Proverbs says the same rain falls on the just and the unjust. If we're in a sinful world, a sinful person can do something to a godly person. And so we need, we need to understand that we need to earn faith and things that to be in situations to minister grace to people. But there's a lot of times, there's just a lot of cruddy stuff that happens to good people. And do I like it? Not at all. We say, but walk with God. The bottom line, salvation is being in Christ as, being in Christ as Lord and Savior. It comes through giving up your own Righteousness, your own standards of society today, God's shame is out the window. I've got a guy that I, I, I play some uh, games with, uh, not games, but like, you know, board games, role playing games, that kind of thing. And every time we're at an intersection of the game, he goes, You want the good news or the bad news? Like, okay. Uh, and he says it's all bad, but I want you to understand this. The good news of the gospel, we can't get to it until we tell people the bad news. You have a life-threatening disease, sin, and you're headed to hell. But the good news is this, there's a cure, the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, you need to realize if you're... There's no good news in that. It won't save them. But we need to give up our own goodness, our filthy rags, our works, our knowledge, our wisdom. In Christianity, you can get saved whether you want it or not. I want to scare you into I'm trying to... If you're still fearing God in that way after you come to Christ, I wonder what gospel... Give up any false knowledge. Trust that he is His finished, perfect work of Christ, that it's for all who believe. Only true believers will be saved. And so, when we go back to thinking about Afghanistan and coming along, back to Hebrews 13.3. Remember the prisoners and with them. You yourself are also a part of the body. You go out today, and when you go out this week, and when you're in life, in, the, in, in, in school, in the job, you may want to come and pray at the altar, talk to me. You may not have made a decision for Christ. Or you may not have followed in baptism. We're going to have a couple baptisms and that baptism doesn't save you, but it shows whose you are. And it shows that you're not ashamed. 
I challenge you today and this week, are you living unashamed in the power of the gospel, victorious, vindicated, earnestly living by faith? Whatever's holding you back, you need to come, lay down, take up the cross, and go live unashamed. Lord, whatever we're dealing with today, as these kids and, and people that work in school go back, may they be revitalized, dear Lord, to just let you judge them. To, let, to live in that freedom. I pray for the Christians here, dear Lord, that you would help us see any area in our life where we're not living free. And that we lay it down and we give it to you and we live unashamed. Lord, I pray you release people today from the false shame. And, and then the right shame, dear Lord, that they'll come and lay it down and receive the blood of Jesus. Whatever they need to do today, may they live unashamed. In your name, Jesus. Amen.